What is up and welcome to Crossing Broadcast. That is right. The number nine sports podcast on iTunes this week. What is going on? I am Adam Lefko. Twitter is at Adam Lefko. I'm with Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad and my man Russell Joy at Joy on Broad. If you guys don't know, now you know the show posts three times per week at around 7 a.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, leave us a five-star review. That helps us get ranked in iTunes. And holy crap, Kyle, we got ranked real high this week. I, I'm i sort of blown away by this. Like we, had, we had cracked the top 100 after the first few shows, but I mean, we, we spent a good 24 hours between 9 and 11. I don't know where we are this morning, but we were, we were going back and forth with Mike and Mike, who were actually in the news yesterday for being at odds with each other. So a lot of people think it's because Mike is moving to his own morning show. I'd like to think it's because we just passed them in the iTunes charts. Uh, hey. Like we, we talked about this before, a lot of the yeah, a lot of this is based on growth and not total pure listens. But still, to spend twenty four hours in the top ten is a is a pretty big deal. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a local podcast uh, that high in iTunes. So, um, like I said, it's based on growth. So if you're listening to this, tell a friend. Let's double our audience by the next show. And uh, let's stay up there. Let's see if we can crack the top five. I'm really let's see if we could do it. I'm really excited because the last time I finished ninth in anything, I was running a race and there were only five people in the race. So I'm feeling pretty great. This is this is lovely in every I way. I feel Russ's book of dad jokes. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty stoked because I went and checked the iTunes. We have like 28 new five star reviews. We're at 127, so you guys are awesome. And the number one most recent one is from Maureen Eganoff, which says, it flows so well, kind of like Adam is 50, Russ is Lloyd Banks, and Kyle is the game, which is comparing us to G-Unit. And before we started today, Russ goes, I don't know who Lloyd Banks is, but I hope that... I got to be honest, my only recall is a name recognition on everyone other than 50. So, uh, we are the, the very white guys. Video on the games. Podcast. Like, I don't know. How am I supposed to know Lloyd yeah. Banks? I'm just a, I don't know. I'm just an feel awkward like one, white guy. Like, what am I supposed Russ to Russ and I have kids. Like, let, give us the Tom, give us Thomas the tank or give us that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, can somebody please, for the next five star review, go on to iTunes and, uh, and assign us Thomas the tank engine characters that would be swell please don't I mean, make yes, me toby it's my only request any children's show any yeah. children that's what you should do for your five-star reviews compare us to children's show okay because yeah, if they compare us to rappers i'll handle that if they compare us to children's yeah. shows i have no idea so i want to give a shout out to dribble v-ball 525 iwj 514 big hinky k gilman brian r96 all of you guys uh really really appreciate it uh it's pretty awesome so when we were leaving the last show, I like gave a homework assignment to Russ because he's a teacher about watching, listening to local radio. And then, you know what? I decided I'm going to listen to local radio. So Monday, I just listened to hours because I always play the curmudgeon on this show that says, guys, doing radio is hard uh, and maybe the shows aren't that bad. Maybe we're just assuming. So I listened to... Uh, what were the shows? I listened to Cameron and Richie. I listened to Ellis and Mays. I listened to Miss and Ellie on Monday. And what a day to listen to radio. Because holy crap. So dude, to Cameron and Richie, I've always liked John Richie. I mean, the dude was a, a badass fullback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I appreciated him. And I turn it on 
and they're debating the effectiveness of Rasul Douglas for about five minutes. And I turned it off. And I, I was I was really ashamed of myself, but I mean they were going so deep on the depth chart on a Monday for no reason. And they were having they were having arguments that I just thought were not rooted in fact. And they were debating about they literally had a discussion about is this the year that Zach Ertz is gonna break out? Which I think should be illegal in this city. Like we've had it for five years. You should not have that conversation anymore. And it really made me upset because I went, man, I thought it was going to be better than that. Then I turn on Ellis and Mays, and it's like, it's is that the name of the show? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also worth pointing out that on your Decameron Richie, at 10.16 a.m. in Slack, so this is 16 minutes into their show, you messaged us, Decameron Richie just debated what versions of Zach Ertz and Tori Smith will show up this season. I concede. Yeah, it I concede. It took you a full 16 minutes to come to the dark side. Because it's like you, you have to, you cannot as a radio host on a Monday in the middle of May start having the Zach Ertz Tory Smith effectiveness conversation. It 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 does there's no there's no grounds for us to have any other side than we did a few months ago. It's just stupid. So then I listen to Ellison Mays and they do self-awareness Monday. And it was like a list of questions that was like, how can we do our jobs better? And uh, Twitter was rightfully so going, did the Crossing Broadcast podcast start this discussion? Did the phone call that Kyle had with the program director on Friday lead to this? And I'm not going to lie. I wrote down in this notepad, I'm at work coming up with a list of things that I have to do. I'm holding it up so that they can see it now. And under it, I just wrote, this is, I wrote, this is insanely depressing. Like people were calling up and be like, man, I don't like the way that you guys talk about sports. I think it's real. And they're like, okay, like we appreciate your insight. Like it was really depressing. And then I went, okay. So then I listened to Levitard for a little bit and it was great. And then I went, okay, well, let me see Mike Missanelli because this is how it all got started. And he is uh, other than Angelo's show, the best show in the city. And he did hours on why do people hate me? Why do people hate me? And it was, it was so sad and it was so disappointing. And he's, and the, the co-hosts were like, Mike, are you really upset? Are you really going to be okay? And I just went back to what the program director said to you, Kyle, about, man, you guys don't even sound professional, man. I don't sound like a crybaby looking for a lollipop. Like, I don't sound like somebody needing a self-confidence boost. Like, I was I was taken aback, and that was my day of listening to local radio, and I I, I kind of agree with y'all, and it really upsets Told me. You, it's bad. I, I, I can't be like that every day. I, I had to have caught, caught him on a bad day. I think well, you I, did I'm not, Go ahead. I, I do think you caught them on a bad day because this introspective look. It, the fun. I think the funnier part was – looking on Twitter and seeing somebody had a back and forth with Kyle saying, you're taking way too much credit for this. Like Mike Mizzanelli wasn't, uh, he wasn't having this conversation based on a conversation that you had with the program director. He was, uh, he was actually having this because somebody on Maze's show said that, uh, they, that everybody hates Mike. It's like, okay, well you can, you can debate where it came from. I guess if you want, it's, it's pretty clear where it came from, but I felt bad for Maze because I've said before, I really like Maze. I think Mays is good at what he does, and Mays, for better or worse, will also bring up some topics in other sports that 
that are not typically the most mainstream in conversation in, in Philly sports, which I think is fine. I like him. I don't know if I like him and Ellis paired together. But I felt like they ended up getting the brunt of it thrown on them. I would have loved to have seen if Gargano, who apparently has not been on the radio for two weeks, I wouldn't know because I don't listen to their show, um, the fact that Gargano's show apparently didn't have to do any of this introspection. It was the only show I think that they have outside of Mizzinelli that wins in the ratings. They are the ones that have to be you know, the, the company whipping boys for the day, which I, I felt bad for them for having to do it. And then Mizzinelli's thing, like I actually listened to to his show for the first time in probably months, and it and it felt like stacked calls of positivity where it was just like, Mike, you're a jerk, but I'm a jerk, and I and I like what you do. And it's like, well, that's fine. You can you can have that. That's that's lovely. Like, good for you. That's a good morale boost. But you look on social media, and there are people who rip that dude all day, every day, and it was like, where are those calls at? Where did I miss them? Well, it's the sort of thing where, yeah, that you're most, it's easy to get hate, but when you ask people, this, I, I run into, into this in the comments in the website, it's very easy to get unsolicited hate, but when you ask people, and I do like an AMA, and people know that you're there to respond to them, it's almost always positive. I think there's like some sort of psychological thing there that forces people to be positive when they know they're actually confronting you, if not face-to-face, but voice-to-voice or text-to-text. Uh, -text. Um, I don't, I don't... Like it's weird to kind of take credit for that, but their entire day's worth of topics after 10 a.m. about the self-introspection was basically the phone call I had with Matt. It was what could like what should we be doing? Uh, here's what we do. Here's why we do it. But tell me, what sh what should we be doing? Why don't we like this? I'm going to tell you why you're wrong which is what the host did, especially Mike. Like, if you called up and actually criticized him, he would just tell you why you were wrong, and this wasn't actually as cathartic as it may have seemed. But that was our entire conversation, and it just got put on the radio. Just happened to be the next following business day. And, oh, by the way, Mike, after our 20-minute back and forth about them never discussing the Flyers, Mike opens the show by apologizing to Flyers fans. So uh, you can think what you want. Um, it I'm pretty sure we we crawled up inside their heads and left a big old a big old stinker. I, I literally texted my friend Dan and said one of the more popular radio shows in a top five market is talking about a podcast that's had like 14 episodes that we do in the morning and look at each other and go, was that good? I don't know. Was that good? Like, I, I couldn't believe it was happening. Like, I was sitting there at work, like, what the hell is going on right now? It led to a post on your website about you think you had a nerve. That led to another post on philly.com talking about it. Uh, and we think we kind of wanted Was it on philly.com? I saw. That was on Philly Views. Were, the one that oh, we. I don't that know. One that, that, we, that we bounced around was Philly Views. Okay. Yeah, the, the guys over at Cog and Toboggan, which are satire, did a piece on it. And then Philly Views, uh, this was written by Kevin Kincaid over at Philly Views, which is a, a, I guess, a smaller, newer site. But Kevin is actually one of the union beat writers. Hey. So Russ is, Russ is pants off right now. Yeah, Wrote an article yeah. about the whole He's day. tucked in. How it may have been, may have been influenced by us. Um, that post I wrote hit a, hit a weird nerve. I, I've written a lot of stuff about the radio and so wait, CSN. Your, your and post called, I think I hit a nerve, hit a nerve? It hit a nerve. It, yeah, it was a real super meta. Uh, meta, 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 meta unless thanks. you're speaking thanks. Spanish. Go ahead. <laughs> Got it. Um, 
Yeah, like I write a lot of stuff about the radio stations, about CSN, and they usually get good feedback. The CSN stuff, particularly, you'll hear from people who used to work there, and they're like, "Man, you like yes, this is this is what we go through there." But the radio post from like in terms of reader feedback. A lot of stuff gets tweets, but it's rare. It's maybe like once a month that you write something that gets actual email comments with in-depth thoughts. And I had people sending me like volume, like emails that had chapters in them about their their beefs with sports talk radio, how we touched on something they really liked. A ton of retweets of people sending it to their friends, like, "Yes, this is what you were describing." I actually wasn't even that happy with the piece, but the thing I got out of it most from people was, "I'm so glad to see someone finally put Mike in his place." And I think for a while, like I, I had treated Mike not with kid gloves, but was always sort of deferential to him because I think he's pretty good at what he does, and he's kind of a unique guy. Um, but man, like his thing on Friday, the more I thought about it, I didn't really talk about this much on Monday. I talked mostly about the call, but the more I thought about like him going on the air and being like, you're a weasel and just dismissing, dismissing everything about new media, which is like his MO. That is Mike's thing when he doesn't have a leg to stand on or quite honestly, doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He will just, he just resorts to insults and he can never, this is, I mean, this is what makes him a good sports talk radio host. He can't lose an argument. So when someone calls in with a sports argument, even if he doesn't know anything, and I think he was, there was times where people called in about draft prospects and he thought they were free agents. Even when he doesn't have the knowledge base, he will just resort to insults and yell louder than you and win the argument. And which is incredible. Because I think I know the reason why he sounded so sad on Monday. He was, in the words of Game of Thrones, the Kingslayer. He was the one that came back and took off the dude who made that style famous, Howard Eskin. He was the one that knocked him out of the ratings. Mr. Get back in the kitchen. Uh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're a moron, all that stuff. He was the one that brought sensible sports talk back to Philly. And what you in essence did was turn it on his head and went, you are exactly what you were fighting against. And to me, it was like an existential crisis for him to realize, oh my gosh, I'm the crusty old man. I'm not the young face. that's going to fix Philly radio. Uh, I know that I joked that we, I, and I think we're going to do it. We're going to do a new segment called hashtag Mikey missed. So it's the topics that he does that we think that he missed on. So do this on Twitter and you've already found a tweet that summarizes this perfect Kyle. Yeah. So the tweet is, I, I don't know. Do you have it up in front of you? No, you said it was from the 97.5, the fanatic. And it was like 50 minutes of, of commercial free calls, we're talking about Fletcher Cox missing OTAs right now. Yeah, so yeah, so this is our first, uh, this is going to be the first Mikey missed. And these will be things, you guys could feel free to tweet this. Anything that 97.5, you could apply it to any radio station yeah. really, but particularly the Mike Missinelli show, if they are talking about something and you feel like it is just completely out of bounds, what they sh- maybe what they should be talking about. Um, so this is a tweet from 97.5 yesterday, 2.23 p.m., right during the middle of Mike's show. We are in the middle of 50 minutes, commercial-free, exclamation point, talking about Fletcher Cox missing OTAs, exclamation point. Uh, so there's our first hashtag Mikey missed. Uh, I don't know how, like, I mean, this is, this goes to what we were talking about the other day and I, we don't need to make this whole show just bashing the radio. We got, do have other stuff to talk about, but like no one cares about OTAs and everyone is, everyone in the local media is so wrapped up in every time the Eagles sneeze 
and this was like sort of our our points on Monday in my conversation with Matt that just because something happened with the Eagles, it doesn't mean people give a shit. No one, literally no one cares about OTAs. And this, this, I would send this message to all the Eagles beat guys who are live tweeting play by play, not just like observations like, oh, Alshon looks good, but actual fucking play by play from OTAs in late May. Now there's like all day long yesterday. Now you no could, one cares. You could say no one cares, but a care, apparently there's a huge controversy right now brewing with the Philadelphia Eagles. Marcus Hayes with a crippling piece on the front page of philly.com right now. Eagles not thrilled. Carson Wentz saw quarterback gurus. Guys, I'm going to save you the time. Don't read the article unless you would like to read libel. It is some of the most dog shit writing that I have ever seen. It it's insane. It literally alleges through not like through non-threatening quotes from the Philadelphia Eagles. It it cre- it creates a whole fantasy. I, I think it's it's fan fiction. I, I can't believe this. I, I think he needs to skyrocket to the number one ranking in the Kyle Scott worst media rankings. It's awful. He does. He just he's just with this post. He now jumps over uh, John Smallwood for the number one spot, who I was actually somehow wound up in a uh, tweet handle battle with the other day, which is always frustrating because Smallwood has like he doesn't have logic. He just argues with things. Anyway, Marcus Hayes, um, I'm not going to read the whole piece, but the gist of it, this went up late last night. The gist of it is, is that he was sitting. He was at the Eagles press conference and someone asked Doug Peterson about Carson Wentz getting some sort of uh, QB coaching at 3D QB in L.A. Uh, he went to, in Southern California, to find a better version of himself over the offseason. Basic work on your mechanics sort of stuff. Marcus Every Hayes writes, the Eagles were, does this stuff. Correct. Uh, Hayes writes, the Eagles were obviously not thrilled. You can't blame them. Asked Tuesday what Wentz gained from his time in California. Head coach Doug Peterson replied with tepid and artificial enthusiasm. Well, this is the biggest thing we've seen. Number one is leadership. Hamada, hamada, hamada. There's nothing there. Uh, Marcus goes on. This is faint praise. Wentz could have gotten, quote, rejuvenated, spending time on a yacht in Miami with Odell Beckham Jr. No idea. It's true that QB gurus Adam Dodeau and Tom House incorporated psych- psychology of leadership and resilience, but 10 days won't turn the Wentz wagon into General Patton. Peterson continued, quote, Marcus Hayes again. Again, thanks for nothing. Wentz could have reviewed twenty could have reviewed twenty sixteen on the same yacht as long as he had used an iPad. Usually mild mannered. This is the part where it just goes completely off the rails. Usually mild mannered. Peterson didn't hide his disdain for having strangers tinker with his meal ticket, and that is remarkable. Peterson is as emotive as a turtle. It got better. Peterson virtually sneered, sneered when he was specifically asked if Wentz had made improvements. In his mechanics. Okay, here's the audio of that. It's subtle. You know, there's nothing, you know, that's the thing is we're going to see it as coaches. You may not see it as a, as a, as a spectator watching the game. Um, you know, it's just, it's just pointing his toe. It's getting him on his target line. Things that we talk about uh, each and every day that, uh, that Coach Filippo does a good job with. And, and those are the things that we continue to work on. I don't know about you guys. I don't... Um, <laughs> I didn't sound any different from any of his other 12 answers. And he goes on. So, I mean, this is the whole crux of Hayes' piece. It is on the, it is right now the lead article. Hold on. It is the lead article on philly.com. 
even it's it's unhinged because nothing nothing in Doug Peterson's press conference would have led you to believe that he was even remotely upset that Carson Wentz spent a few days trying to better himself it's over fabrication. the fabrication. I just think he was upset and, that he couldn't interview those two guys at the draft again, the father and son. I think that would have that would have added some real content to this uh, this great article. By the way, what did he think Doug were, uh, Peterson? Hold on. Like, what did he think Doug Peterson was going to do? That he was that he was going to do like backflips on the stage talking about these guys at three D QB. Like, you don't have to be over the top elated that your quarterback went out there. But as a coach, isn't the number one thing that you tell your guys to do is to actually work to improve their craft? It doesn't matter if it's with you. It's look if you're a teacher and you've and you have a kid who's struggling with a concept and they go to one of your colleagues for help because they just for some reason don't understand the way that you're teaching it. That's what you want. You want the kid to understand it. That's what you should want from We're your We're not even, Russ, Russ, let's not yeah, even debate. Oh, let's not even debate the merits of going somewhere else. What What's crazy is none of this is even a real discussion because Marcus Hayes made it all up. Like, this isn't a thing about whether or not it was right. This isn't even a discussion because that never happened. Like, it's made up emotion reactions. And the fact that the article ends with sometimes you don't have to read between the lines. Sometimes you read the lines. Marcus Hayes created lines and then read behind imaginary lines. Like, it's insane. And even, here's the thing, even if, I won't be so naive as to think Marcus Hayes has been doing this a while, even if he was there and someone, he had some source that mentioned to him that Doug Peterson was upset about this, which I do not think is the case, but let's pretend even that is possible. Fine, there's a way to write that article, but what he... What he's writing is actually like with tepid and artificial enthusiasm and then um, didn't hide his disdain from strangers, virtually sneered. It, that is simply not true. You can As soon as I read within five seconds, I was on the Eagles website. I'm like, well, this is easily provable because the entire press conference is available. Uh, does Marcus Hayes not realize that anyone can just go watch this and see for themselves? I'm not a big like fake news guy. This is fake news. It is not true. He did not sneer. He looked like his big, dumb, dopey boob self, as he always does. There's boob again. Boob alert. Um, but I, that's what he, like, there was nothing different. In fact, he looked more upset when he was answering a question about Jordan Matthews. I don't know, maybe because he was constipated, than when he was talking about Carson Wentz. He had that same, like, long stare, like a, like a deer, like a, like a tranquilized deer in the middle of the highway. That's, that's Doug Peterson's look. And that's the same look he had answering this question. There was no sneering whatsoever. It, it's literally fake news. And I cannot believe, I cannot believe Marcus Hayes is still employed. And I don't say that lightly. Wow. I don't wish for people to rule. I don't look. I don't wish for people to lose their jobs, but I'm just blown away that tenure is able to keep someone that is this hacky and like completely detached from reality as their lead columnist. Like, do you not see the way, like where media in general is going, where sports media is going, and how inventive and different things can be? Like, he this is something that someone could have written in the 1960s and would have had trouble getting away with. Let alone now when. Uh, okay, we'll just go to the website and and go to the film well, ourselves. He took inventive as invent a narrative that doesn't exist. So I think he just <laughs> he misunderstood sure the uh, the word and the context. I'm gonna just do something really quick. I didn't prepare for this. I just wanted to open the comments on that article and just see what the first few were. Uh, so excuse oh, me as they load really quick. Uh, I just I, I think all right. First one. Oh, first comment. Pelly twelve ninety two. 
trying to manufacture a story out of nothing again. Ridiculous. Then the next comment in response to that's Weston FO1. I feel bad for having defended him the other day now. This is just bad and appears to be made up. The gist of it is Hayes' interpretation of Doug's facial expressions. Yes, this is news. Oh, my God. I will yeah, say no, they continue. I read a few last night when they went up and I mean, they're basically all uh, this one from Noble Savage. Marcus is definitely off his meds. Carson and Doug both said the same thing. Most people would not notice the difference in mechanics. Most, Ranger of, writes, most of Doug's quote did not sound disdainful. Ranger writes, Jesus, what the hell did I just read? Uh, I mean, I mean, guys, I don't think anyone's going to fall for this. And it's interesting because now we have two levels of the reason that Philly sports media, I think, is in trouble. One, um, they over talk about things that no one cares about or now B or, or two, they are just <laughs> creating things and it's just, it's just fabricated. Um, Hayes you had, actually had written a few good articles about the flyers. Like I remember on this podcast, we had talked mm. about the fact that he had written a couple that we actually kind of agreed with. And I was like, wow, maybe he's turning a corner. No, he turned a corner and like went right into a wood chipper. What on God's green <laughs> earth is this? Uh, so uh, now, he's had a bad week because he wrote a piece the other day um, about he he goes back and forth between like criticizing guy and we can move on from Hayes after. But, but he wrote a thing early a month ago about how good of a draft the Eagles had and how and how Howie Roseman was was doing right. Sam Hinkie. And, and that was a good week, thing. And yeah. by the way. He used to kill Hinky, and then the next week, last week, he writes a piece about how Howie Roseman didn't give Doug Peterson enough weapons, and he's going to get him fired. What? It's tough. What? Yeah, I mean, it's it, that's the thing is now with the internet, we can chronicle all this, and we can look at it, and we can be level headed, and it's just it looks really dumb. Uh, there was a comment that Kyle wanted me to read from the iTunes five star review again. If you leave them, we appreciate it. And the more people you guys tell, the better. It's from Slush Twenty. Kyle, you thought this encapsulated kind of a lot of the comments in one big comment. Uh, It reads, so, excuse me. Finally, a Philly sports program I can actually stomach on my 45-minute commute. I've tried over the last 11 years to find a show that can combine actual thinking with Philly sports, and this is it. It's not the mind-numbing direct the last generation enjoyed, but high-level conversation about Philly sports and other things that millennials get due to the fact that we're over-educated and underpaid entrant. It was interesting. Uh, I've been an audiobook podcast guy for at least eight years, but would have to switch to radio if I wanted any Philly sports talk. No more. Also, Crossing Broad does the same thing online that this podcast does. Destroys interest in going to philly.com, old media, and makes me go only to one site for Philly sports stuff, new media. Keep it up, Kyle. Really enjoy what you're doing, even though you're a Nova guy, and I remember Midnight Madness. I have two questions. Number one, Kyle. If you go to any Philly college besides Nova, which would you go to and why? Uh, this I had actually, as a St. Joe's basher, I had accepted a small scholarship to St. Joe's. I had two St. Joe's basketball stickers on my car in high school on the back windshield and the back right windshield. And then uh, I got in the Nova and peeled them off. Scholarship was for knitting. Just for everyone out there, Kyle in high school uh, was one of the, the greatest general greatness. knitting in the tri-state area. Second question, Russ, I'm an uh, assistant principal teacher for 11 years at a high school. What do you hate the most about us so I can stop doing it immediately? Keep this to 10 to 15 seconds. 
I don't hate anything that you find folks do. I think you're all fantastic at your jobs. Uh, oh, come on. Now, um, what is I, your... So I think he also said that he's an athletic director. So let me take yes. it that way. I I absolutely... Russ doesn't like his AD. No, 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 no I like my AD a lot. I think my AD <laughs> is actually fantastic at his job. Hashtag I, Russ hates his AD. No, I, but I like him. I, if I didn't, I would tell you. Not on here, but I would tell you. I like this guy. Um, I think for from the AD perspective, I hate, and I know that it's it's just kind of a you're a victim of the schedule. But when they create schedules for kids, and you've got three, four, five games in a seven or eight day span, that bothers me. And when you've got games scheduled during breaks, where where kids are supposed to have a few days away from school, and instead they're they're out playing games and having to practice on days off where their peers aren't aren't at school, that kind of stuff bothers me. All right, that's um, uh, that's your school before- breakdown. Adam, before you move on, I have a real-time update here on our Marcus Hayes discussion. This Uh-oh. is uh, just two minutes ago. I got a text. I actually thought it was from Russa at first because I don't know who the hell is up at this point. But uh, this is a text from someone uh, who I know uh, 100% in the business, in the local Philly media scene, uh, has been for a long time and that I have a little bit of a relationship with. This is their text uh, in real time about Marcus at 6.33 a.m., based, I guess, on my tweet about it last night. Uh, quote, I know you've dug into markets before. Today's column and the subsequent back page are the worst yet. Here are my issues. One, Marcus could have asked Doug at any point during the 12-minute press conference yesterday, were you on board with Carson Wentz going to a QB guru? He didn't. Two, this is the transcript of the Q&A that prompted the column today. And then he goes to put uh, largely um, the portion that we just put in there. Somehow from that question and answer, Marcus gleans that the Eagles weren't on board with Carson seeing a QB guru, question mark. Four, there were 500 other storylines yesterday. Uh, All right, that's debatable. But I'm telling you, I go to NovaCare every day and there's media availability and I've never seen more players available than yesterday. Four, if Marcus really wanted to talk to DeFilippo, quarterback coach, he could have gone to the women's football fest asked him it's wrong it's annoying because it impacts the rest of us players don't want to talk when the media gets shit so wrong and it's and it's fucking lazy that is an unsolicited text so there you have it from not us outsiders someone who is there right alongside marcus and this is where it gets interesting if you remember last year when when jeff mcclain was getting removed forcibly or not so much from the eagles box all of those guys kind of banded together in support of their colleague and that if if that person is is that in the know, you have to wonder at what point do those same writers band together and and essentially denounce what what Hayes wrote? Because no, I think this is the, you know I what think you you'll know see this that works? today. Yeah, this is how it works. I'm not saying publicly. I'm saying oh, yeah. I'm saying like behind behind closed doors. This is a this gives us all a bad name. I feel like today we'll see a Jeff McClain article or a series of tweets yeah the report today about peterson and wentz is completely unfounded and untrue i I, that's the sort of thing i think we'll see i mean like uh, like i'm not gonna lie like i when i read all these tweets and i see all these posts about my favorite philadelphia eagle of all time uh derek barnett uh getting like two sacks and looking incredible i mean there there was a time where when your first round pick looked great in the first ota that that's what you would discuss uh, but yeah, no, to make up stuff like this is crazy. Um, so I want to also apologize to, uh, to Russ, um, because when you started talking about the poor Zynga stuff, I was like, this is the dumbest shit ever. Like, there's no way we're getting poor Zingas. 
And then apparently with his favorite assistant coach being let go, uh, apparently that's all Philadelphia was talking about yesterday was more poor singers to the Sixers, which I don't know if Russ started, uh, but man, that I was, I was, I was like, Oh no, is this really going to happen? But we had a, a question from at John DeCola. Um, would you take on Mello's deal and waive him to facilitate a cheaper compensation in a trade for Chris Tops? I mean, now we're getting into some real fantasy. All right, Russ, you spent a lot. So me, yeah, you spent a lot me, of time. Let me on break this, this down a little bit, and I'm sure somebody will will debate the numbers here. Uh, no, I wouldn't take on Mello's contract for Porzingis. I would back up the truck for and and pretty much hand a, a golden golden goose to Phil Jackson, who I don't think can build a team through the draft anyway. I would I would do that to get Porzingis. Here's a couple things to keep in mind. In 2017, Mello's on the books for $26.2 million. In 2018, you can offer him an early termination option. Um, otherwise, it's $28 million against the cap. I'm not feeling too good about that. I know that when I brought up the Horford thing the other day, I was I was you know ridiculed here yeah, and by someone bad. and by someone on Twitter. But I will point out the proposing the Mello thing is practically the same thing. Yeah, Mello still, there's no still, way that Mello's it, coming to Philly. Like, let's just no, also talk no, about because that. he he would have to waive his his no yeah, trade. Clause. It's not happening. It, that would be that would be disastrous. I will say this: Porzingis is is an interesting story. Um, the assistant coach that they let go. Uh, Josh Longstaff is a guy who apparently had traveled with Kristaps last year to Latvia to help him work out during the summer. And according to his brother, uh, to Kristaps' brother, Giannis, who's also his agent, um, they were anticipating Longstaff traveling with Kristaps to Latvia again this year to work out, uh, to work him out. And this was a big issue because I guess Kristaps has gone against his, uh, against the organization's will uh, I think there's a Euro tournament going on this year, and they did not want him to participate. They wanted him to stay in New York and stay with his teammates, I guess, work out in New York. They didn't want him to go to Latvia, which is weird. Again, this is like, if you have the opportunity to have your player go out and continue to hone his craft, why would you not? Um, they let his favorite assistant coach go. One of the only guys that he supposedly had really bonded with, or the close, or the one that he was at least the closest to, that led to the meeting that happened between Chris Porzingis' brother Giannis, the agent, and Phil Jackson, where apparently nothing was really accomplished. They talked about the fact that Porzingis would prefer to stay in New York, but if he is traded, that he intends to test free agency. So then that led me to go into this just wormhole of um, you know cap situations for teams. Kristaps becomes a free agent, uh, restricted free agent in 2019. But remember, restricted free agency, you, you always have the right to match as as the team who holds his rights. Believe it or not, Porzingis is only going to count about five-ish million against the cap next year. And then in, in an old stat, he was supposed to only count like 5.7. I saw something as high as 7 million um, against the cap in 2018. He becomes a restricted free agent in 19. This dude is cheap for these few years. And then this his, is a rookie his, deal, yeah. Yeah, and his contract, even even if you were to offer uh, Embiid his max deal, which I think they probably will, or some version of it. Guys, we that, don't need to debate. We we will pay all of them if it no, happens. No, no. Yeah, yeah, so I'm saying, Russ, what is the art? But what is the real like? What 
I know you sort of looked in this. What is the realistic possibility that a team can trade for Porzingis? I know one of their beat writers I mean, was actually on good content here on 97.5 yesterday and talked about that a trade is a very real possibility. What, what would it, do you have any idea what it would take to get him? Are there any rumors out there where it's like this might actually get it done? And I get so, these are fully rumors. So this is kind of where like you get into look at what other teams are talking about trading for him. Um, there was a, a rumor that had been going around with Phoenix about trading. I don't remember who the player was, so this looks bad now. Um, but it was trading a, a young player and two first-round picks. I was reading an article last was night Devin on Booker? Side. No, I don't think it was Booker. Um, and then I was reading an article last night about Boston and how Boston is the perfect, um, the perfect trade partner for them. And that it would, it would cost something like Jay Crowder and two first-round picks. Or the the number one overall pick, Jay Crowder, and and a future first. Remember, they also have next year's Brooklyn pick, and Brooklyn is ser- is certainly going to be another trash team. Um, if that's all it takes, in this article, it says, uh, well, yeah, first, that's first to overall be, that could pick, be better Jay than Crowder. the Sixers Lakers. No, I'm pick, sorry, by the way. I gave too much. This article says a trade for Porzingis would likely cost the Celtics their first overall selection this year, and possibly a player like Jay Crowder. Like that's I'm crazy. sorry. If you no. think that that's all it's going to cost, you're out of your mind. The dude's yeah. 20 years old. The he's, only he's he's not even approaching his prime yet. This is where I get into if I'm the Sixers, I'm trading everything or I'm trading a lot of it. Like as a as a process guy, you you've been stocking assets for a move like this. And this guy, like I said, he's 20 years old or 21. You don't have a guy who's this dynamic who fits so perfectly with your team. You're, yes, like, we like, would like, all give up do you do, Hold on. I, I agree. You don't need to sell us on Porzingis. Do you, give, do you give the Sixers, just hypothetical off the top of my head here, do you give the Sixers three this year, the Lakers pick next year, and uh, Oka four? Oka yes. four. Is that going to get done? But, yeah. Well, yeah, but that's, I, I will say and that then sign Kyle Lowry? In all Stop honesty, though, signing that's Kyle Lowry. Stupid. That's a uh, and it's it's not your fault, but that's like a stupid trade proposal for Porzingis because <laughs> if you if if the hot rumor about trading up for number one was the Lakers pick the number three in Saric, it's going to cost you more for Porzingis than it would for Fultz because you know what Porzingis is. He's a dynamic seven foot three center forward combo who's got international but, rec- name recognition. Yeah, we we got it. We got it. But unlike Fultz, but unlike Fultz, he has a he has a real problem with the people in New York. Like Fultz is a not a sure thing as a player, but he is a is a fit that it the doesn't. Celtics can control. There's a wild card. At this point Porzingis, the wild card is the wild card is Phil Jackson who is acting like a significant other that when you come home your clothes are on the driveway. He is a wild card. We don't know the power that he still has. We don't know if mm-hmm. James Dolan will override him. We don't know if Phil Jackson likes Porzingis or doesn't like Porzingis. But the Knicks are a shit show, an absolute shit show right now. And it would be very curious to see. But I think we need to move on just because yeah. so, none of us need to be persuaded that Porzingis is amazing. None of us need to be persuaded that we would give up a lot of picks for him because we all know that it's worth it. Let's um, put this out to listeners, though. The the perfect I, – I think – a good trade for this would be number three this year, Sixers pick next year, Lakers pick next year, and possibly the Sacramento pick. And I hate doing that, but <sighs> I, I, I think that's something that it's going to cost them. I'm not saying You're I would talking I'm about not, four first round picks. That's this. Think about it. If there is a perfect guy, I said uh-uh. this before, no if one there's a perfect that. guy to fit 
the mold, then keep one of the Sixers picks, I guess. Yeah, you have a but chance of getting that guy in the I'm draft. Cost you, with four, with four first-round picks, you have a chance of drafting a player it's gonna, like that. It's going to cost I you. Think I, think, I think it's going to cost you three firsts. You're acting like this is just I, some some guard who puts up points. No, I'm not at all. But, I mean, four, four first-round picks for anyone short of, like, a Le- LeBron is, is kind of nuts. I because I your, your odds of hitting on a really good player, how dynamic Porzingis is, and right, what fair, he's going to cost, right. and especially if Phil Jackson or fair. James Dolan are going to trade the centerpiece, the the franchise cornerstone for the next decade, presumably, if they're going to take that kind of PR hit in New York City, it's not going to be for two picks in Jaleel Okafor. It's not even going to be for three picks in Jaleel Okafor. Like it, I just I I don't think the valuation that you have for him. Taking their egos into account is enough. Um, All right, we, let's hit we, some of these other six. Some other questions. questions. Uh, at Joe Dell 26, uh, if Embiid and Simmons stay healthy, are the Sixers a playoff team? Russ already yes. bet $20 that that's a yes. Um, yes. With Kyle. I also think, or that was me, actually. Um, I think if Embiid and Simmons, Simmons are healthy for the entire year, I think they are a playoff team. I think from what, what is bet? healthy? Like, how many games? Does Oak does uh does Joel need to play? Yeah, I think I think it means they aren't healthy. They don't have any sort of long term injury other than maybe you know the classic game here or there, twisted ankle that sort of thing. So will the Sixers play and beat every game? No, but if he's healthy, will he play at least two thirds of the game? Yeah, he, I he like should, this yeah. hypothetical more at D Cookie thirty seven. If Lonzo yeah. Ball somehow drops to three, should the Sixers pick him or try to trade down? I'm going to go first. Um, it, it obviously depends who pushes Lonzo Ball down. So let's say Fultz goes one, and let's say Josh Jackson goes two, and then we're sitting there with Lonzo Ball. Uh, I am absolutely, um, number one, you're calling around, you're, you're holding Lonzo Ball out there, and you're going, I'm sure there's a lot of other teams that want him. I have said publicly, I do not want Lonzo Ball. It has nothing to do with his talent. It has everything to do with off the court. I just don't want him, and I think sometimes as a fan, it doesn't have to be it's about statistics or scheme fit. As a fan, you're allowed to say, I do not want that energy on an uprising Sixers team. That's just where I stand with it. Um, I don't like the whole situation. I don't want to be associated with the with the craziness off the court, and that's just my take. All right. As a fan, you're allowed to be an idiot. As a GM, it'll get you fired. Uh, I, you got to take ball. I don't care. I hate the idea of letting another team's idiocy, especially uh, Danny Ainge or Magic Johnson, dictate what you think is a good player Lonzo Ball if you're talking about fits for the Sixers here Fultz is the a number one fit and the very high number two or one B is Lonzo Ball both of these guys are 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 guards who can control the ball who aren't a black hole on offense and who can shoot now I think there's a few concerning things about Ball one is definitely his dad and what that like when you have your dad actively working against your career interests that's a problem Two is there's a little bit of a question about his competitiveness. He had a the the UCLA had a relatively easy season this year, and the two two of the times that ball was really tested was going up against Kentucky and the Aaron Fox, and he got outplayed by Fox uh, badly the second time in the tournament. He seemed to really kind of wilt under that head to head pressure with the guy he was going 
you know, is a, also a, a lottery pick. So that concerns me a little bit. I think that matters a little less in, in over the course of a long NBA career. But Ball is a du- Ball is scary good. He moves the ball <clears throat> uh, just as well as Ben Simmons, or almost as well as Ben Simmons. He's an he's an incredible shooter. As goofy as his shot looks, I think you have to take him. He is a no brainer fit. You'll deal with his dad later. Don't let the other teams dictate what you do. Don't overthink it. If ball falls, consider it a gift. He is more of a sure thing and a better fit than any of the guys. I don't know about a sure thing, but he's a better fit than any of the guys would, that would be available to the Sixers. Russ, at three. You've got to, you, you absolutely have to take him. There's no, All right, doubt. so I'm on, I'm on no ball Island. AKA the the only way that, the only way that you don't nice, the only way you nice. don't do it is if you're, uh, like I, I don't even know what a what a good trade would look like if you're at three and he's there. I mean, I've said before that I think it's alarming if Magic Johnson passes on him, because Magic gets enamored with with personalities and with brands and with a guy's upside. And if he passes on that point guard for Josh Jackson, like that that is definitely a red alarm for me. But he's just so much better at this point and projecting forward than practically anybody else that that you would even trade back for. I also want to just rip really quick. Um, let me just take back what I said before. I don't want to trade the Sacramento pick if we're trading the Lakers pick. I said that. Uh, I want to rip apart this idea that you can somehow, as the Sixers, trade number three for five and ten from Sacramento. I don't know where this idea came from. I don't know why people think Sacramento— The internet. I don't know why people would ever think that Sacramento would make a trade like that with Philadelphia ever again. The lottery party had a freaking cardboard cutout of Lottie Divac. I mean— there is no chance on this earth that Sacramento, unless Lonzo Ball falls, I will say that's the only way I think Sacramento maybe makes that trade because their owner is just as big into personality and branding as anything else. That's the only conceivable way I could see them making a trade back. I just I think it's stupid. Why? But you're you're. You're forgetting that, according to Malcolm Gladwell, their owner invented the full court press. Are, are you familiar with his story, Vivek? Yeah. Vivek story. Okay, uh, Russ, if you don't know, it was it was, it was in Malcolm Gladwell's book about uh, like David, David and Goliath, Goliath and how yeah. David and Goliath, yeah, and how uh, their owner knew nothing about basketball and he coached his daughter's team and they were overmatched. So he decided that we're going to press and that'll give us an advantage. And and this is how uh, Gladwell concluded. That uh, you know, outsiders uh, can be better because the guy thinks he invented the full court press. Uh, anyway, that's the sort of hubris that will allow you to do dumb things like trading five and ten because you are set on say Josh Jackson or I don't know the Aaron Fox, and you are convinced you need to move up to three to get it, and you will happily give up two other picks for that one pick. I don't think it's that crazy, and I don't think the Kings are that sensitive about Sixers fans having a party that they wouldn't consider something if they're stupid enough not stupid enough if they really are set on someone at three I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility I don't think it's necessarily the fans as much as how much the media has has universally ripped that trade fair it's the same reason that I don't think that Brooklyn would make would be so quick to make a trade with Boston again because the the Billy King scars that have been left have just been so deep at this point that I mean, public opinion is going to sway just about anything you do. Um, I'm just going to get to a tweet that I got uh, in response to the crossing broadcast from Matt Diaz, 13, uh, asking me for Carson Wentz stat predictions. The only thing I want to say is I heard Peter King on Angelo Cataldi's show talking about how Carson Wentz is not going to be great and and all this stuff. Um, I really think are we the only city that knew – the wide receivers for the Eagles last year and how bad the offensive line was. 
Um, I'm just going to say really quickly, I'll get my stat prediction on record. Last year, he threw for 3,782, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I'm going to say that the average, his yards is very similar. I think he throws like 3,900 because I don't think he's going to throw over 600 passes this year. But I think his touchdown to interception ratio will be closer to 25 to 10 than it was at 16 to 4. So I'll go 3,900, 25, and 10. But I just the the national perspective that Carson Wentz was bad last year is it's mind boggling to me. I mean, I well, I watched every game him single handedly keep us in the game. Rush, you got to bounce. I got to bounce. Um, I just want to say it'll be nice to see the national media t- move him up from number twenty five on that list that we talked about on a previous pod. Yeah. To uh, maybe twenty two next year. Hopefully, he'll be able to jump over Hoyer. Yeah, exactly. All right, Russ. Appreciate. All you, right, bro. I'll see you guys later. Let's see it. The uh, the compl- uh, uh, his yards per completion is going to go up. He a lot of those passes were were dink and dunks lateral the along drops. the line of scrimmage. So yeah, so I'll go with how many yards did he have last year? Thirty seven eighty two. He was number five in the NFL in passes attempted with six hundred and seven. I will go with he will have fewer attempts. 4,200 yards, though. Okay. They're going to be able to stretch the field on just a handful of big plays this year. will go a long way. Uh, so I'll go 4,200 yards. I will go with 22 touchdowns and eight interceptions. I think your extra three, uh, some people will say they will get eaten up by LeGarrette Blunt. I will say that is not the case, but I would say they come from elsewhere. Yeah, it's just it's, – it's really interesting because, like – when I on Sundays for my job, I literally sit there with all eight games on TVs. And so I watched all the quarterbacks and for, for him to be this low ranked um, because he had some interceptions against Cincinnati when the coach inexplicably had inexplicably had him throw 60 passes in that game. It's just it continues to mind boggle my mind that. They didn't realize that DGB and Nelson Aguilar and their best receiver, Jordan Matthews, couldn't catch the ball at times, and their offensive line stunk, and they had no running game. It's just no one takes in any of that for Carson Wentz. I I just don't get it. Yeah, and it's interesting because you do see a lot of national reports almost, I would say, overplaying uh maybe i guess you can't really overplay how bad the eagles receivers were but the the national media seems well aware as to how awful the eagles receivers were it was a very poorly kept secret during free agency and leading up to the drafts that the eagles needed receivers but yet when they're grading carson wentz that doesn't get taken into account um wentz definitely hit a wall at some point during the season and started forcing the ball a little bit and and made more of those rookie mistakes that he would have come to expect to me, the biggest thing is is Doug Peterson was trying to coach around the rest of the offense. Right. Uh, and when you see the ball, the ball went left and right more than it did up down. You can't blame Wentz for that. And I'm with you. Like I- I'm firmly of the belief that Alshon Jeffrey, if he's healthy, is a he is a top seven talent in terms of wide receiver. He is he is that good if he's healthy. Uh, Torrey Smith. Or Aguilar, if you can get like if you can get Tory Smith just to stretch the field and occasionally keep people honest, not only does that make you better because Smith is better. Jordan Matthews gets knocked a lot. He's actually he was pretty decent last year. He had pretty decent numbers. If you put him in the natural slot as it certainly not your first option and your second or third option, and let's just assume that Zach Ertz shows up for the remaining eight games this year, which is uh, sort of his thing. 
I think the offense is pretty good, and you, you talked about this before. They act, they don't have a great offensive line, but they do have depth and guys with experience. So you're you're going to be able to plug an injury or two without complete like oh shit, what do we have here? It's just the amount of national writers that I hear go. If you take away his his first three games, I mean, what did he really do? Uh, I just I don't know. I mean, the last when they beat the Giants, uh, I know he had some bad throws in that game, but he willed them to a victory there. He was really good against Washington um, at the end of the year. It's just they, they put the whole season on the quarterback on Carson Wentz. And I just go, they had no cornerbacks. They couldn't stop anyone on defense. I've already said all the issues on offense. It's just I'm going to be very happy when he proves everybody wrong and they're like, oh, he's definitely the quarterback of the future. And I'm like, I don't know. Just put this in the back of your mind, everybody, when you begin to think about how genius these national NFL reporters are uh, when they come around after they were bad-mouthing Carson Wentz. Because I am am so confident in Carson that it's crazy. Uh, Do you feel like we got everything off your chest in terms of radio wars and all that stuff? Yeah, I think so. I like I don't think our we run we run into the problem of potentially becoming Josh Innes here if we just make our thing banging on sports talk radio. I think part of what, what No, I think part of why people like us is that we're critiquing the media and calling out some of these things that a lot of people think about the radio. So uh we're we're not gonna avoid that, but we're not gonna make every show into bashing the media. But I think Mike I Mike's really good at what he does, but he's he could be he's full of shit. And when he gets back into a corner like he did or thinks he's wrong or is threatened by something, he resorts he resorts to insults and and just takes the absolute lowest road possible. So I'm kind of done giving him the benefit of the doubt or whatever. He he's he's a dickhead, like straight up and I'm not trying to start shit. I've uh, having had encounters with him, knowing many people who have worked with him. He's he's just not He's not like a, a a bad person. He's just he's just a a a guy who thinks he is always right, who is at the top of his field and therefore can never be wrong. And I think that's how you turn into Howard Eskin. When you're successful for long enough, Ooh. you begin to think everything you do no, you begin to think everything you do is right and everyone else is an idiot. And especially in sports talk where nothing no one is right or wrong and everything is just based on pure opinion. That's where people begin to turn sour like that and begin to feel threatened at the, the the faintest sign that someone could be encroaching on their turf. So I don't know, like F him, seriously. And the encroaching is us. Crossing Broadcast, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, the five-star reviews on iTunes helps. Uh, if you add some questions, I'll make sure to get them into the podcast uh, that we're going to be recording on Friday. Uh, I'm Adam Lefko at Adam Lefko on Twitter. Uh, Russell has already left. He is at Joy on Broad. And then, of course, Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad. Thank you guys so much. You helped us get as high as number nine in the sports podcast on iTunes. Yeah, it's been awesome. We're going to keep it going. We're going to try and give you some different conversation for your morning commute and for the rest of the day. So thank you so much and uh, enjoy yourselves. <laughs>